Our scripture lesson today, and actually for the rest of this series, comes from Luke in, uh, in chapter 4, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we are going to be reading this passage the rest of the weeks, and then there's going to be kind of a verse that backs up particular points um, in the other weeks as well. Uh, but this is going to be our theme passage for this series. So hear now the word of the Lord. When he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom, and he stood up to read, kind of like what I'm doing now. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The word of the Lord. It may surprise some of you, some of you won't surprise you, to know that my default mode is to be a pain. My default mode of operation is to be a pain for everyone around me. It seems like all the time uh, I disrupt meetings, I ask questions that nobody else is asking, and so I'm usually a pain. Uh, many times in churches that I have worked in, in fact, there was one particular church I worked in where the election was a really big deal and everybody was making a big deal about it. This was a long time ago. And I chose not to vote. So that when people in that church asked me if I had voted, that I could say no to start a conversation with them just to be a pain. Does that surprise some of you? No. Oh, dang it. I thought that maybe some of you were still fooled. So it won't surprise you to know that at some point I noticed people in various public places standing around and handing out tracts. And at some point in my faith development, I began to become a little cynical about standing around in streets and handing out tracts. And I decided to be a pain to one of these people who was just doing what they thought was right with their faith. And so they were standing at some street corner in California, completely unknown that a, a student of the Bible was going to walk up to them and pretend to not be a Christian and ask them a bunch of questions. I decided I wanted to see if they truly cared about the people that were handing them tracts. Because I stood at a distance for a little while and I watched person after person take the track and then walk an extra 10 feet and there was a trash can just beyond them. And guess what that trash can was filled with? Their tracks. Great use of God's money, by the way. And so I decided to stop and said, well, let's see what they do in responding to somebody that apparently doesn't know anything about Christianity. And so I stopped and I tried to talk to them. And you want to know what happened? They didn't want to talk to me. 
They didn't want to answer any of my questions. They didn't want to have a conversation with me. They actually literally told me, just take the track. All the answers are in there. Is there something wrong with that? They're missing pivotal parts of the mission of Jesus Christ. They've come to know that proclamation of the gospel is important, and rightly so, because the mission is demeaned when the gospel is not proclaimed. But they don't care about the people that they're proclaiming the gospel to. Their evangelical or evangelism efforts are akin to the colonial missionary days where we would show up in lands, spray whole peoples with hoses, and call them Christians, baptized under the church. Not really caring about them as people, but as objects to be converted and added to our name. Something wrong there. Maybe some of my cynicism started to come from when, as a young youth minister, I used to get my youth together, and we would spend a first half of the day making like a hundred peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or just peanut butter sandwiches, and then we would go into downtown San Jose, and we would look for people who we thought were homeless, and we would hand them sandwiches. Now, First and foremost, I tried handing someone a sandwich that, were, that looked at me like, why are you handing me a sandwich? I'm not homeless. And I learned not to judge a book by its cover. I myself have been uh, mischaracterized as a homeless person when my beard is long by friends of mine, actually. But what really struck me was one time when I came across a man and I gave him a sandwich and then I turned to walk away, and he said to me from behind me, is that it? Was that it? Is that all you care about? And I turned around, and I said, what do you mean? And he said, you're just going to hand me a sandwich, and you're going to just walk away? And I said, yeah, we're just going around and handing sandwiches to people who need food. And he said, I need more than food. And I sat down, and I talked with him. And I listened to his story. And I learned in that moment that just providing for someone's physical needs was not enough to be like Jesus to them. That just giving someone a sandwich who needed a sandwich didn't recognize that there were other needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs that they had in their life. Then I sat as a commissioner to the General Assembly that met here in Detroit about six years ago or so now, seven years ago. I got tricked into it. And I sat there and I voted in the minority on pretty much every substantial vote in the entire assembly. But one of the things that struck me was how much our denomination was focused on making grandiose proclamations of social justice. And I stood up the one time I spoke on the floor of General Assembly, and I got an applause for it as well, was I spoke up against divesting from fossil fuels. From divesting from fossil fuels because we were making this grandiose statement and we were talking about how we need to do renewable energy. All things that I agree with 
But I got up and I said, what is our biggest share in any fossil fuel company represented in their entire share picture? And it was point oh 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 two nine something percent. And I said, so in other words, they're not even gonna notice. And so we as Christians, I think so often, even in America today, it's called hashtag activism, if you haven't heard of that, like to make these grandiose statements, and we like to protest against oppression or injustice, and yet we don't even move off of our seats to do anything about it. We make no personal sacrifices. I don't know if you heard this last week, there was walkouts all over the nation from children who were protesting the climate change stuff going on in the future, something near and dear to my heart. Yet there was no sacrifice to their walkouts. Their teachers completely were okay with it and wrote them off as getting extra credit many times for their political activism. And yet what did the walkouts accomplish? A little bit of news media. But we make ourselves feel better in these things without any real sacrifice in our own lives. We continue to buy plastic. We continue to consume products. We continue to drive excess miles for no reason and consume gas. No sacrifice in our lives to bring about the justice that we call for. Mission is so much more than the things that we tend to break it down into and focus on. About 2,000 years ago, a young nomadic preacher stood up in his hometown and read a passage from the prophet Isaiah. And in this passage, he outlines the prophet, a ministry that is so focused in mission that it leaves no element of human life out of it. In this mission, the, the, the mission is all aspects of humanity, a proclamation of spiritual truths that will bring people into a relationship with God that they desperately need to live, provision of their physical needs so that they might be able to listen and hear that good news and justice for those who are oppressed, that they might be set free from their oppression. All the needs of humanity wrapped up in the mission of one man, Jesus of Nazareth. And so Jesus later commissions his disciples to go into the nations and to proclaim the good news. But after that, where do we find them when Jesus next speaks to them? Fishing. Do you think they got that commission? Do you think they understood that commission? No. Jesus told them what they were to do. He ascended into heaven, or he, he hadn't ascended into heaven yet, but he told them what to do, and then they went back to their old way of life, not knowing or understanding the mission that he was sending them on. And so Jesus had to continue to appear to them and cajole them into this ministry and to tell them that he was going to be sending his spirit into their lives so they might have everything they need to be his continued mission in the world to come.
when we as a church focus on one specific aspect of mission and we neglect the wholeness of Jesus's mission, then we do injustice to mission as a whole. When we think of mission only as proclaiming the gospel, only as in verbal evangelism, then we miss the physical needs, the emotional needs of humanity. And we neglect important parts of God's creation because we just say the words and we figure that our job's done. Or when we think that all that we're called to do is serve people's physical needs and go and build houses or go and provide sandwiches or go and do whatever other physical service that we might be called to do. And then we think that that's all we're called to do and we walk away, where's the good news for them to hear? Or when we think that our job is to be a prophet among the society and scream out about the injustices, but then we go and sit in our comfortable homes and we make no personal sacrifices to accomplish freedom for the oppressed. What gospel has we proclaimed? And so Jesus' mission is more holistic. It calls us to a fullness of ministering to humanity, recognizing that in our lives we are called to minister to those around us, their physical needs, their emotional needs, and their spiritual needs, and to follow the Holy Spirit's prompting in doing that. It's really great this morning that we have Mike talking about Converge. Because if you were to ask me if I knew one person who did mission work this holistically, I would point to this man, Mike. Mike will have an international student come to him, and he will sit and listen to their story. He will ask questions about their home, about their culture, and he will listen to everything they have in their lives until he gains their respect, and they know that he cares for them and loves them, and then he will share with them the gospel. And then they will have a need. They'll they'll need to buy a car so that they can get to a job or an internship that they have. And Mike picks them up and drives them around for hours looking at used cars, advising them, getting them connected to mechanics to make sure that it's in sound condition. He cares for them holistically. And then when the time comes, they're willing to listen to the gospel out of his mouth because they know that he cares about all of them And he doesn't just see them as a notch on his belt of conversions that he's trying to make. If you want to learn what it's like to be in balanced mission, to be sent by Jesus, to do the mission that he states himself he was called to do in our passage in Luke, invite Mike to lunch. Mike, I'm getting you some lunches here. (laughs) Invite Mike to lunch and talk to him about how he does what he does, why he does what he does, because it's important for all of us to follow this model. If we turned into a congregation of Mikes who love the people around us the way Mike loves these international students, these pews would be bursting with people. We'd have to turn people away and start new worship services because that's how they would know that, they, that we love them and care for them. And they would seek after that which we care about because they'd be wondering what drives us to love them so much. Let's stand now. Let's affirm our faith together.
Friends, when we are called to be extensions of Jesus' ministry, as I see it in Jesus' own words, we are called to proclaim the good news. We are called to provide for people's needs, and we are called to protect those who are most vulnerable in our society. And you see this echoed in the writings of the early church that this was their mission, and they did it with great passion. And so let us not neglect any of the three. And in the next weeks, we're going to look at each of these three individually and look at how we can do these things in our own lives. And then we're going to look in the last week what it would look like to be a church that did all three of these things in balance towards our community, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers. So this week, go and examine where God is calling you, where he is sending you into your very community that you already are in so that you might be an ambassador for his gospel.